Welcome to the A-Level Biologist Podcast, bringing you the most exciting area in the world right now, covering education and business in life science. Your host is Ariane Mizarafi Ahi, who's on a mission to do for the body what the internet has done for the mind. He's a PhD dropout and the creator of the A-Level Biologist, your hub. Please give it up for Ariane and enjoy. Baby brain, a theory of hormonal regulation. Hormonal function is reverse selected at the baby stage and trickles out into adult sexuality. Adult female sexuality is a secondary expression of this selection. The primary selection is at the fetus and newborn stages. Hormones in this instance are primarily a fetus creation tool not adult sexuality tool. Newborn development and survival is highly selected and conserved. So this first paragraph is a chicken and egg question. Do people have sex and have babies or do babies make people have sex and have babies? (laughs) But for the sake of this topic, what I'm saying here is that the way hormones work, and we know very little about the purpose and the function and the ramifications of uh, the so-called female hormonal uh, pattern or cycle or regulation. You know, there's if, if you've seen the graph with um, estrogen, progesterone, FSH, and LH, which is taught in GCSE as part of the menstrual cycle, you will see that it just goes up and down and left and right and there isn't even much of a clear relationship of what, what what's going on and why. We understand the main gist, but we don't really know more specifically what is going on and why. Um, and what this paragraph is, is trying to say is, you know, forget about looking at it in terms of an adult person having these hormones and what it does to the adult. Because not all adults have children, and I don't think that's the main selection point for what these hormones do. I think the main selection point is the baby itself, because the baby is that sensitive point in development that more or less, you know, uh, frames intergenerational selection and, and what ends up happening to, to humans as a species. And because that's such a sensitive point, it has a very powerful effect on subsequent events in terms of hormones and functions and behaviours and just who we are as humans. So for the purpose of that, it's saying, don't look at these hormones as, oh, they just regulate female adult sexuality, but look at them as they create babies. It's uh, like ingredients in a recipe, and this recipe is for a baby. (laughs) And these hormones are ingredients to make a baby, more than anything else. Moving on to the second paragraph. Death and powerlessness are the main drivers of newborn behaviour. In order to mitigate threats, the body must predict them. 
In order to predict them, it must simulate them. In simulating death, newborns act out bad moods that climax in crying. Therefore, it is a critical adaptive behaviour in the baby. The equivalent adult behaviour has weaker survival function. So the second paragraph then moves on to this connection between the most powerful selection point for the baby and there's famous studies about babies dying as a result of believing that there's no one there to look after them. Uh, There were these disturbing studies I think a lot of people are familiar with where they fed the babies, they took care of their physical sort of, you know, what we thought were the basic physical needs like feeding them and cleaning them, things like that. But there was no emotional feedback. There was no touching, cuddling, holding, talking. And um, they had to cut the study short because some babies actually died as a result of that. So this is a very powerful point of selection. And anything that a baby does or doesn't do feeds into this selection. Now, obviously, crying, be you know, having a bad mood and crying serves that vital function in a baby. They can't talk. Uh, so this is kind of a powerful communication tool for them. Now, obviously, for adults, if adults get upset and they, you know, whatever their issue is and they start crying, it's not exactly the same powerful selector as it is for a newborn baby. Um, and adults cry for various reasons. Moving on to paragraph number three, coming up next. And we're back. It is critical for the newborn to respond to being born and activate baby brain. This brain is the state responses and functionality required to bring about the most adaptive behaviours. Being born is signalled by many changes. A key one is the sudden withdrawal of female hormones. So this is where this concept of baby brain comes in, where it says, you know, whatever whatever the fetus is doing before being born, and whatever it's going to have to do after it's born, is different, and this is an important uh rite of passage just to be born. So you would expect it physically and physiologically to mirror the fact that it is a, you know, it's an important transition by similar physiological events. And one of those is the sudden withdrawal of female hormones. Now, of course, this is also experienced by whoever's pregnant with this baby experiencing that, uh, gradual surge in hormones over the course of the pregnancy and then at birth drops sudden withdrawal now what it's saying here is this sudden withdrawal is a signal and it's probably a big signal i mean you know starting to breathe and other things are also big signals but this is one of those things that is correlated and it's part of this package of time's up you have now been born Uh, Things are going to have to happen a certain way from this point onwards. Moving on. This is essential as part of the newborn selection, but it risks being triggered repeatedly 
in the adult hormone cycling individuals experiencing negative side effects, for example, during the menstrual cycle. Mood issues, crying and anticipating death are adaptive newborn functions, but in the adult, these are wholly unpleasant. The adult brain can process emotional simulation as conscious thought. Anticipating death in order to prevent it can become interpreted as a desire for suicide, which unfortunately sometimes materialises, notably in postpartum depression. Okay, so this paragraph is kind of, it brings it all home. And, and, and you know, why is it important to know about baby brain and what happens in the brain and how hormones can trigger those states in the brain um, and how that applies to adults, right? I mean, of course, you know, babies are born. It's probably a big deal, but we don't really think about their actual perspective. <laughs> what are they actually going through? Um, and this is really the main argument. You know, baby brain is the brain of a baby that has just been born and is starting to behave in ways and do things that have been very powerfully selected for um, as part of that baby surviving and growing up and so on. So this is one of the examples here. Okay, this is very topical and this is uh, something that a lot of people have grappled with in one way or another. There's so many different examples of how various hormonal imbalances or issues can play into this concept. I've experienced some of this. This is probably going to be a different episode. But this is one of the main ones. Okay, a lot of people are no longer going through, and this is what we're going to touch on later as well. They're not going through a, uh, what I, I assume they used to, you know, a long time ago, not even that long ago, pregnancy after pregnancy after pregnancy after pregnancy after pregnancy but rather no pregnancies or very few pregnancies and mostly defaulting to the menstrual cycle instead. And of course, PMS, PMDD and all of the um, associated experiences. Um, let's move on to the next paragraph in the next segment. The A-Level Biologist podcast is sponsored by the alevelbiologist.co.uk a high school biology resource with over 1 million visits that covers over half a thousand trackable and searchable topics. Pretty Hetty from the studentroom.co.uk says, I've struggled so much with feeling overwhelmed with biology revision and I don't know where to start. But your website is just what I need. It tells me all the information I need and the knowledge I need to then build on. And it's written in a way that soaks straight up into my brain. For some reason, I remember everything you have written. Thanks so much. You're very welcome, Pretty Hetty. The alevelbiologist.co.uk offers great value student and teacher subscriptions and scholarships while supporting health and education charities. Visit the alevelbiologist.co.uk today. Welcome back. One of the highest risks in adults is indeed at the same time as their baby is born, manifested in postnatal depression, and indeed with the monthly hormonal changes. This may also 
go to explain the prevalent observation that mood instability is leading to anxiety or depression are dominant in adults with female hormones and less common in adults with male hormones. The aforementioned state of negativity and helplessness is critical to newborn bonding and survival. This is baby brain. When activated in adults, it presents issues. Essentially, PMS, PMDD, postnatal depression and related conditions do not give rise to new experiences in the adult. They are basically going through being born neurologically and emotionally. Postnatal depression is not a separate condition, but simply the adult brain being triggered into being born, just as the newborn has just been born. When patients suffer these symptoms, they are experiencing having just been born. It may be a rewriting or reset of the emotional response in the adult. It is unpleasant and thankfully not always triggered in the adult, but because it is so non-negotiably essential to the primary, primary selector, the baby, it cannot be eliminated from the human blueprint. And we'll pause here. Now, I read all those about three paragraphs together because this is really uh, where the ball drops. And it might sound a little bit out there to say that people having various conditions and issues are going through being born. Why would an adult be born? But I think on the on the brain level, on the nervous system level, and a lot of these symptoms are very much nervous system symptoms, uh, mood issues uh, regulated by neurotransmitters. And there's all these studies, I'm not going to mention them, but uh, there's all sorts of things that tie into potential treatments for, for PMS, for example. You've got magnesium, you've got calcium. All of these contribute to um, the proper function of uh, the nervous system. You've got neurotransmitters. You know, a lot of these symptoms are nervous system symptoms. Uh, mood, uh, you know, the thoughts, the invasive thoughts that you have. Uh, the reward system, depression. Uh, again, this is neurotransmitter-based. Um, you've got dizziness, you've got nausea, you've got... Um, you've got uh, digestive system issues all of these things seem like very random symptoms but they are uh, just a plethora of things that come from this underlying reset uh, or or imbalance in um, in the nervous system and obviously the hormones and the nervous system there's actually another thing that uh, is taught as early as GCSE uh, we talk about homeostasis and the two systems that we introduce that again may seem and not particularly related, are the endocrine system with all of the hormones and the nervous system with the neurotransmitters. So these are kind of the main communication systems in the body and uh, the hormones talk to the nervous system and vice versa. Um, so this is really kind of the bottom line of, of baby brain, which is, you know, why do people have these issues? There must be a reason. They don't just happen for no reason. Um, usually if something is quite strong, it probably has some sort of a function somewhere else. And uh, based on how these, what these hormones are, this was really my insight after a long time struggling with a lot of this. Um, I just thought, you know what, this is it. Um, there's a, there's a powerful selection at the baby stage. The hormones are not so much sexuality hormones, they create 
us. That is the main function. Um, over pregnancy, you can see that the levels of so-called female hormones um, rise. You know, so it's really about the moment of creation and 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 the selection at that point. And as those hormones tank at birth, that is the wake-up moment of you have congratulations, baby. You have just been born. Welcome to the world. And the baby has to behave differently. The baby doesn't cry when it's uh, in the womb. It doesn't struggle for bonding when it's in the womb. It doesn't, um, you know, it doesn't behave like a baby when it's in the womb uh, in, in that sense. So all of these things that happen, they can't happen as a result of the baby figuring out that that's what it needs to do. It's just something that happens automatically. So those hormonal changes just automatically signal to the nervous system to do the things that that it does, uh, whether that's smiling for no reason or, you know, whatever babies do. Um, and, and some of those negative things that are positive for the baby, because it is positive for the baby to, to be a baby, right, to survive. In the adult, experiencing similar hormonal shifts that cause a similar thing to happen on the brain level that causes some of those symptoms is problematic because we don't want to uh, not know what's going on with us in terms of the moods being all over the place, being depressed, um, not having any motivation, um, and um, in the worst case, um, having suicidal thoughts. I'll go a little bit more into this whole uh, simulation thing because I think that's interesting as well in the next segment. Stay tuned. And we're back. What is this idea of simulating things in order to predict them, in order in order to avoid them? I think there's some um, synchronicity between living things and their environment. So every time a new organism comes to life, it doesn't look around and figure out, I wonder how much oxygen there is in the air, and I wonder when winter comes. You know, they already know this, we already know this, we're, we're back and forth of, of our environment, and we have these predictions built into ourselves. So plants already know that when the temperature's really low, that means that it's going to get warmer and they start growing their flowers, for example. Um, you know, our feet are already formed in the shape that is going to allow us to run on two legs. You know, we already have the memory of the function of our species. And a lot of that memory uh, in this example is to do with avoiding death. So babies, they've, they, they, they've been selected to survive, really. I mean... That's really the bottom line, I think. Just survive. Just make it. Uh, and the reason they are the way they are is because this is what's worked best. You know, it might it might be inconvenient to the parents, maybe, but this is what's worked best. Um, so this is what they do. Now, I say that babies avoid, of course, they try to avoid death. And in order to avoid it, they try to simulate it. So whenever... You know, whenever someone's not looking after them, for example, going back to those uh, horrific studies that were done, there is a there's an expectation. So if there isn't closeness, if there isn't a certain kind of stimulation, um, then the psyche of the baby, you know, obviously not consciously, but the, the totality of the baby's experience 
anticipates the fact that it might be left alone, which means that it will die. So it's obviously very attuned to to these signals of, am I being looked after or not? Am I potentially going to die or not? And this is the simulation part. Now, obviously, the baby is not necessarily consciously um, aware of that. It's, it's not mentally computing the events. But the reason this is important is because in the adult, going through the same motions, the same signaling and perception that says, uh-oh, I think you're about to die, something's about to go wrong, the adult does have the capacity to consciously process those signals. So on an emotional level, that message of, uh-oh, you're about to die, is actually going to be picked up by by the conscious brain um, and it's going to be read. And it's going to be read as, it's not going to be read as someone's going to kill you or you're going to die. It's going to be read as, I want to kill myself. Because the... the the interpretation, the translation of that inner emotional state is very first person. So you identify with your thoughts. You believe your thoughts. So if you feel like, uh, uh-oh, you're going to die, your brain is just going to think, I want to die. I want to die. I want to die. Um, because that is what your emotional system is perceiving. So in the baby you know, uh, that's kind of a, I'm going to passively die because that's what babies do. Babies will die. The default destiny of any baby is death unless it knows that, that it's receiving those signals and that feedback that someone is looking after them and then they know they won't die. But their default state is that they, they will die. And obviously for adults, that's not the case. Adults obviously should have that sense of independence where they won't die by default. They don't need someone to look after them. They can be independent. But our emotional system doesn't know that. So when you're internally picking up those signals, you will think you want to kill yourself because that is what you're picking up. I hope that makes a little bit of sense. Let's get to... The end, indeed, of this uh, short essay in the next segment. The natural cycle is a cycle of pregnancy and birth. The menstrual cycle is a secondary cycle. The pregnancy cycle is much steeper in hormonal shifts than the menstrual cycle. By changing so that the pregnancy cycle has become an exception in developed countries, and the menstrual cycle, the rule, shifts to the cycle, become more difficult to navigate and respond to positively. We are less able to withstand the shifts and experience adverse effects and a lost ability to rebalance. It may be difficult to accept, but the best treatment for baby brain may mirror that which the original state of the baby itself requires. Constant care from others better positioned to give it acceptance, affection, patience, and of course, any drugs required in severe cases. The end. Part of me is thinking, wow, you've just put a lot of things out there. At least five of them could be obscenely controversial. At least 10 of them could be totally misinterpreted. 
But this is what we risk when we come up with new ideas. And after a very, very difficult time that I went through myself, I came to a place of insight and clarity and peace and confidence that this was what I wanted to share as I came out of that place. I suppose even in um, in my darkest moments, uh, there is still this little um, curious natural philosopher at work who's asking questions and trying to find answers. And this is some of the things that I came up with. Uh, to me, this made perfect sense. Um, and separately, there will be an episode about uh, perhaps more detail uh, as to what I personally went through. But for now... Thank you for listening. And remember, there is always a fun fact at the end of the episode. Where's this fun fact? Um, I don't think this episode needs a fun fact. I think this whole episode is its own fun fact. Okay? <laughs> Bye! Hey, it's me again. Didn't see that coming, did ya? I'm here to thank you for the phenomenal growth in the past season and ask you to take a part in next season's success. Share this episode and add your review now. Thank you so much and see you in the next one.